it's really a whole world that's just getting tapped into right now. And so for those of you who see the value of emotional intelligence, I call this emotional intelligence 2.0, where it's the next wave of nuance of our full potential in the business space, but also even in our lives. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, episode 134. Our guest today is Rick Schneider, author of the new book, Decisive Intuition. Use your gut instincts to make smart business decisions. Rick is an international business consultant, coach, and speaker, along with launching several businesses over the years. He is currently the CEO of Invisible Edge, providing mentoring, training, and teaching others how to utilize the process of bringing intuition into their company culture. Good morning, Rick. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's fantastic that you're with us this morning. We've known you for so many years. You're one of the most respected business coaches in the world. So tell us about this book. What led up to creating it? Yeah. So as you guys know, I've been in the world of psychology for many, many years. That's what I studied and entered the business space through that lens. And I've also, as you know, started several businesses on my own. And so one of the things that I've been noticing is not only is psychology such a key piece in how we make decisions, how we do sales, how we do marketing, how we do leadership and management. It's such a huge impactor. There's been an other invisible edge that I've seen with certain leaders over the years. And it had me get more curious about what is that difference where certain leaders seem to listen to a different rhythm or to a different drum. And they're able to really decipher that from all the noise out there. And one of the things I started tracking was intuition and the ability to really listen to that deeper guidance, that deeper voice especially when other people might not be tuning into that or be disagreeing or the marketplace has a different idea. You know, how do you really listen to that deeper intelligence that we all have access to? And so that's what led me on the journey of this book called Decisive Intuition and really looking at the best ways that we make decisions when we tap into that deeper subconscious, that deeper mindset, and are able to listen to that purpose and that higher connection that we have that enables us to make faster and more integrated decisions. And so that was really the impetus of this was looking at my own life. And when I have listened to my intuition in times where I haven't, and then also all the interviews that I did with business leaders around the world and how they use intuition in their business. I really appreciate you've come out with this book because it's always in the back of the mind as far as, okay, my intuition says this or that, but kind of been trained that you know we have to stay on the research and the science and the hard fact data to have a supportable conclusion. And so it's great to see your book and love the book from the standpoint of there's some real substance here. And now the challenge for me is to understand What's the right balance between utilizing the intuition and some of the facts that I'm dealing with? Yeah, and I think that's really the key. Here's one of the things that we've been noticing. When I say we, I mean my team and and working with a lot of different companies here. And what we notice is that when leaders are not so confident in their own sense of intuition, then it's all about metrics, metrics, metrics. And they over-rely on the metrics outside of them because they don't trust themselves on a deeper level to make the decisions they need to make. 
But there's also another extreme when leaders are overconfident in themselves, then it's all gut, gut, gut. Like, hey, I got a good gut and I'm a gut guy. And we'll see that they tend to actually over rely on their gut and they actually stop including the data and the metrics or other influential or confidants or advisors that they should be including in those conversations. So it's amazing because you can actually go too far extreme in only the data and actually neglect your inner signals and cues and other ways that you're getting information. Or you can over-rely on your gut only and silo too much that way and stop including other people's counterpoints that you might need to include in the room to make the best decisions possible. So the whole point of the book is really how do we integrate the best of our data and analytics in our businesses along with our inner signals and cues that we're getting all the time to make the best decision possible. I can see where intuition really plays in, where you're having to make that final decision and determine, okay, am I going to go left or right? I've got to make that final decision. In your book, you mentioned three dimensions of intuition. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So one of the things I started tracking was that intuition happens in a few different ways. So for the listeners out there, I'd be curious which one you relate to the most or which ones. So really the first dimension of intuition is between self and self. So it's my ability to connect with my own inner compass and my own decision maker, if you will. And so we call that one the directional intuition. And our nickname is the navigator. So it's the way that we navigate choices in our business, in our life. And it could be as simple as, is this person the right hire for my company? Or is this strategic direction the right move for our business? And so it's really listening to my inner guidance and my inner compass on those kinds of decisions. The second dimension is now between me and other. And this is more the interpersonal dimension. And so this comes into business all over the place when it comes to sales or intuiting the needs of my customer. Or if I'm in a team meeting and getting to feel out what's happening in the space between my team or with a leadership component and feeling out the whole company culture that way. And so we call that social intuition. And our nickname for that is the vibe detector. So it's literally detecting the vibes in the room between people. It could be one-to-one or one-to-many. So you can imagine if you're doing a sales pitch or an investment pitch, and you're able to actually read out what's happening in real time with body language and energetics and emotions and social dynamics. Those are the kind of things we train in that second dimension of social intuition. The last one, the third one, is between self and the whole environment. So it's my gut sense connected to the whole environment at large, not just between people now, but everything that's included in the whole data set around us. And so this is really the integrator, we call it. So it's integrating all the data around us, all the information to make the best decisions possible. And so this might involve a lot of different numbers and data and metrics and being able to tell the essence of the story from all the data around us. And so we often see a lot of times day traders, computer scientists, financial advisors, people who are around a lot of information, but they're able to hone in on the essence of what the story is telling them so that they can make the best decision possible. And they're just very intuitive with large amounts of data sets and numbers. And so those are the three main areas that we tend to build with leaders and teams are that intuition with yourself, intuition with self and other, and then finally between you and the whole environment. So Rick, in thinking through these three dimensions, how do you help leaders put this into practice? Because, you know, so often we're rooted in more of a tendency towards reliability and, you know, analytical thinking, like you started with, I want to see the metrics, or some of us tend to be rooted more in creativity, 
and that sort of gut feel? How do we actually put into practice this understanding to make a change in how we operate? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things that we do is we lead leaders and teams through a process called the three brains. So I'm not sure if the listeners out there know this, it's in the book here, but one thing that we've learned from neurobiology, especially in the last 10 years, is we literally have three brains that we're operating from. So we have a heart intelligence, we have a gut intelligence, and we have our head intelligence, of course. And so literally we have these whole networks of neurons in our gut, heart, and our brain. And so one of the things that we do is we actually take people through a decision-making process. We call it the intuitive decision-making process, where literally we bring in the conscious, rational, practical mind. So if you're trying to choose between bringing in a top senior management hire or not actually bringing this person on board, you know, I'm sure everyone has been in a situation like that before. And maybe there's dissension on your team if you should bring this hire on. And so one of the things we have people go through is this decision-making process where they will engage their typical pro and con list of all the conscious reasons why this hire makes sense and maybe the reasons why this hire doesn't make sense for this timing or your team. And we would go through a normal decision-making process that way. But then we actually help people drop into their subconscious mindset. And when you drop into your subconscious mind, that's actually when you can integrate your intuition. That's where intuition lives, is in our subconscious. And that's where we actually connect information faster and process information much faster. In fact, 500,000 times faster than our conscious mind can handle. And so that's where we're actually integrating a much more holistic picture. And so we'll actually drop people into their heart intelligence and add that to the equation in their decision-making process and eventually their gut decision-making as well. And then we're able to integrate all of those so you have a much more holistic picture of what's going to be the best decision in that moment, and then get to compare notes with the other people involved in that decision as well on your team. And so we always find there's so much more of a rounded decision-making process that comes from not just listening to your head alone, but you're including your whole bodily intelligence and your whole intuitive intelligence in making the most important decisions in your business. So it reminds me of this great story from Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow about how when they were evaluating potential commanders in the Israeli army, you know, this is back in the 50s, and he was tasked with trying to come up with a methodology for evaluating officers. And one of the things he came up with was a scorecard, you know, sort of a balanced scorecard to help people de-bias their decisions around it. Mm. So if there was a team evaluating the performance... Each one would fill out their scorecard separately without talking about it. And the last thing he would ask them to do is, okay, now that you filled out the scorecard, close your eyes and think, will this person be a good leader? Mm. And flash forward to recent times, I don't know if it's literally today, (laughs) but certainly within the last decade, he said that process was still in place, (laughs) and Mm. including the very crucial step of closing your eyes. And it's one that I've actually adopted in several of the entities that I work with and in my own. Yeah, you know, that's a really good indicator of really integrating the subconscious with the conscious. And it's so exciting in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of study around the neurobiology of intuition. And literally, this is a pretty new field, which is exciting for me being on the trend of that. And a lot of this is in my book here. And so they've done a lot of experiments. One of them that comes to mind at the University of Amsterdam where they overwhelm participants with so much data that they can't take it all in on purpose. And they look at three different groups of people of who's going to make the best decision possible with all this volume of data. 
The first group has to make a decision right away after being exposed to all the data sets. And they ended up making the worst decisions out of the three groups. The second group got about three to five minutes to critically think about what was the best decision after being flooded by the data. And they were the next best group of making decisions. But actually the third group, what they did was they distracted their conscious mind so that their subconscious had time to actually integrate all the material, even though it wasn't much longer than three to five minutes. But because they distracted the conscious mind, the subconscious mind was actually able to integrate all of the different pieces. And they were actually shown to make the best decisions out of the three groups time and time again. And so the old adage that if you have a big decision in your life or in your business, sleep on it. There's actually a lot of wisdom to that because in your sleep time and in your dream states is when your subconscious mind is actually getting to integrate all the information that you've been processing throughout the day and throughout the week and maybe even longer than that. And so that's really the wisdom of tapping into that subconscious and going slower to drop down deep into that area so that you can actually make faster decisions. Yeah, it's amazing, right? And this is such a relevant and important area of emphasis given the time that we're all going through right now since the dawn of the information age and the acceleration of social media and the amount of data we're all being bombarded with every single day. We need better models for decision-making. You know, one of the other tools that we're using is called dialectic thinking. And basically, it's being able to hold the paradox of opposites and not getting too locked into either side of a debate or either side of a position. And so a quick example is W.J.J. Gordon, who invented Pringles. And one of the challenges he was facing is when you buy a bag of potato chips, two-thirds of the bag is filled with air. And he was annoyed by that. And he said, you know what? We could do better. And so I want to create a chip that can stack on itself, but not crumble. And so that was the paradox is how do I build a denser chip, but it's not going to crumble on itself. And so he was out there in his backyard, raking leaves one day, holding the paradox of these opposites and not figuring out a solution yet. And he would notice that when the leaves in his backyard were dry, it was almost impossible to get them into the garbage bag. But one day it was raining. And he saw how the leaves naturally formed on themselves when it was raining, and it was just so much easier to scoop them up and put them in the bag. And so all of a sudden, because he was holding this paradox in his subconscious the whole time, it finally clicked. Oh my God, we could do that with potato chips. And so he literally would stack potato chips, soak them in oil, and they would naturally form on each other. And then he could bake them that way. And that's how he eventually created Pringles. And many decades later, we're still enjoying those. And so there's so many inventors and stories like this. And so we actually use that technology in helping people tap into that innovative thinking by not getting too locked into the black and white type of thinking that so many of us do in decision making. What kind of exercises can we do, Rick, to get us out of our norm, our baseline? Some of the key ways of getting out of your normal way of thinking are things like mindfulness and meditation. You know, those are really great practices where you're literally shifting your brain states and you're entering a deeper creative space. Other techniques that we use, we literally get people out of their office and get them away from the computer. The hard part is getting people to shut off their phone because everyone's addicted to their phone these days, including me. And so really getting people away from their technology and starting to open up to their other senses that they have. A lot of times getting people outside is really helpful. That's what Steve Jobs was famous for, was literally walking around barefoot around the Apple complex in Cupertino, California. And he would literally slow down barefoot outside and and start walking. And he would get these new ideas. 
and this innovative thinking because he was interrupting his normal way of thought and getting away from the computer, the technology, the pressures and the buzz of the office space. A couple other ways I find really helpful are getting into flow states, not just by slowing down, but sometimes by being active. That's where sometimes going for a run or a swim can be the best way to get out of your normal conscious mind. And that's where you start to access that more creative space where your conscious mind is on autopilot on some level. And so you get these subconscious ideas and intuitions that come to you out of nowhere. And the last thing is, for me, a lot of times going to the steam room or sauna has been incredible where all of a sudden my nervous system will just relax to a certain level and I'll get these amazing insights and ideas and creative thoughts that I've never had before. And so that's also a popular way that a lot of people like to tap into this innovative space. Rick, when you're on the road and talking to amazing audiences, we've seen some of the lists. It's impressive. And you've got six steps to develop your business intuition edge outlined in your book. Any of these in particular are resonating the best within your audiences? You know, the coolest thing so far is that people are telling me that I've basically decoded something that maybe they've known somewhere in their background or something that makes sense to them, but it's just never been put in words like this. And so for me, that's very gratifying just to give people a practical tool and how they can access their deeper intuitive intelligence. And so I'll just run through the six steps very quickly. But, you know, in the book, I go into far more detail. And so the first step is really a perspective shift. And the idea is, how do I be more receptive throughout my day and not really where I'm trying to find my intuition, for example, and hunt it down like I do many achievements and how we're all wired and driven to achieve financial success or enlightenment or whatever our goal is these days. We're so driven to kind of hunt something down and achieve it versus actually be receptive. Let intuition come to us. You don't find your intuition, your intuition finds you. So you have to create a receptive space and a receptive mindset for your intuition to have room to find you. Second step is about slowing down. So once I'm in a receptive space mentally, now I can actually start to slow down my breathing, my presence, so that I can actually get more present where intuition actually lives. The third step is then once I get more present and slow down, then it's about dealing with my inner critic. And how do I befriend my inner critic? Because we have to be able to distinguish the voice of your inner critic from the voice of your intuition, that deeper guidance. And a lot of times the inner critic is going to want to sabotage you from going deeper into your own experience. And instead you might hear things like, oh, we don't have time for this. We got to get back on the computer. I've got a deadline. This is crazy. I don't have time to gaze at my navel. Let's get going here. We don't have time for this in our decision-making. And so all of that is the voice of your inner critic and that inner pressure. So how do we start to then recognize that and separate from that so we can really keep deep diving into the wisdom of our interior? The fourth step is then getting in touch with our body and realizing that actually our body is wiser than our mind and our mind gets in the way of our deeper body wisdom. And so we actually literally have neuroreceptors in almost every cell of our body. And so if we can sink down into our gut intelligence, our heart intelligence, our full body intelligence, That's actually how we get information and we get more aware of the data that's around us all the time. And imagine if you're a salesperson and you're literally trained to pick up on all of the information you're getting with your prospect, or if you're feeling out the needs of your customer and learning how to intuit their needs right away, how powerful that is. That's the kind of training we're doing right now. The fifth step is then once I have access to my body signals and cues and I can recognize my intuitive language 
how do I actually ask for guidance? How do I develop a relationship with my intuition? So if I'm faced with a tough decision, I can literally put that out there and ask like, okay, should we hire this person? And literally feel into the response. And then finally, once I've developed that relationship, the final step is how do I act on my inner intelligence? So it's not enough to just be able to pick up on my signals and cues, but am I actually having those conversations that I need to have? Am I actually putting this into play in my life and literally actionizing my intelligence? And that's where a lot of people get tripped up is they might know what they feel. They know what the right answer is. They know what they need to do, but they're maybe afraid to have those conversations. Rick, as a business owner, how can I actually utilize this or start using intuition more in my business environment? Yeah, you know, the first step, as we like to say, leaders go first. And so I think for the leaders out there, whether you're a manager, director, VP, executive, whatever you might be, how can you first model this for your culture and model this for your team? And so are you using your intuition in your business? And are you actually explicit about that when you're making decisions and you're allowing people to see that that's part of your decision-making process? And so I think that's really important for leaders to trust their gut, to talk about it, to normalize it, because it's really something that's happening all the time. And that's one way you can make your company culture smarter is by encouraging people to actually listen to their gut and bring that into the team meetings. And so that's one of the top ways that we see company cultures change overnight is they're literally creating a space that's safe to bring in intuition where you're not going to be made to look like a fool. You're not going to be criticized for having an outside the box thought in your brainstorming session. And so it's so important for company cultures to really make this more encouraged and accessible. That's how you're actually going to get the most innovation from your team is when they feel like there's no stupid answer. All their contribution has a place. And so that's some of the work that we do with companies is we actually help bring in that innovative mindset with leaders and teams, as well as really bring this all the way down to practical, everyday intuitive skills when it comes to sales when it comes to feeling out the customer needs, when it comes to managing people and how everyone on your team might need something different and how do you intuit their deeper need to help them excel and develop on your staff. So there's so many amazing ways that this gets utilized and it's really a whole world that's just getting tapped into right now. And so for those of you who see the value of emotional intelligence, I call this emotional intelligence 2.0 or it's the next wave of nuance of our full potential in the business space, but also even in our lives. Well, Rick, thank you so much for joining us today on Business Owners Radio. Hey, great to be with you guys. Thanks for the conversation. It's been fantastic. And it's so great to hear you again and look forward to working with you in the future. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our business owners? Yeah. If you want to get a sample of the book, Decisive Intuition, you can download the first couple chapters at invisible-edgellc.com. And so that's a nice little way to get just a taste of what this works about and if it speaks to you. And you can follow us, of course, on the usual social media channels at Rick A. Snyder and also at Invisible Edge. And so check it out. Lastly, um, if you want to see any uh, media sound bites around podcast interviews such as this, television and radio, check out our website in the media section to learn more about this fascinating topic. Our guest today has been Rick Snyder, CEO of Invisible Edge and author of the new book, Decisive Intuition. Use your gut instincts to make smart business decisions. You can learn more about Rick and find links to his website, Facebook, and a couple chapters to his new book, all on our website at businessownersradio.com. 
Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.